0: You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents network of podcasts. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and joining me today via phone is Parnaz Forutan, author of Girl from the Garden. On sale August 18th from Echo, an imprint of HarperCollins. Photo10 has received Penn USA's Emerging Voices Fellowship and she was named to the Hedgebrook Fellowship and Residency. She currently resides in Los Angeles with her husband and daughter. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, I'm
1: honored to be speaking with you.
0: Now I'm going to ask you, To describe your background and your book. But let's start with your background. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? And and how did it lead to your writing Girl from the Garden?
1: Well um, I was born in Iran and um, I spent my early childhood there. Um, We immigrated when I was about um, six years old. Uh, There there was the war between Iran and Iraq. um, So you know our, our lives were in danger. And there was also the the um the dawning of the current islamic regime and my parents uh didn't foresee a very good future for my sister and i so we decided to escape and um we sort of roamed about europe for a while until we found our our way to the united states and when we arrived you know it was a bit of a culture shock in in many ways But one of the most significant ways was that I I didn't speak a a lick of English. And, um, you know, it was a very difficult transition.
0: And what city did you come to when you first arrived?
1: Uh, The suburbs of Los Angeles. It's a um, predominantly uh, white, upper-middle-class neighborhood um, of uh, very conservative-minded folks. And we were there were very few minority families in the particular town we live in. And and so it wasn't just a, a lack of language, um, but it was just, you know, the time and place. It was 1984. You know, Reagan was in office. The Iran hostage crisis was still kind of fresh in everyone's memory. It wasn't a good time to be Iranian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of grew up on the outskirts of of the this you know, the place I was living and um what what ended up being my saving grace was that I, I fell in love with reading and um that's where I spent most of my time in books. And so I think that had a lot to do with my um you know my my evolution as a writer. Now what led me to write this particular book was that I, I grew up listening to this one story, to many stories, but this one in particular was um, said often, you know, the the families would gather and the elders would sit around and they would talk about, you know, the past and the country they left and, you know, the, the particular town they grew up in. And they would always come back to this one story. And there was a lot you know, they, they, the storytelling was very dynamic, you know, the mm. the elders themselves are, are characters. You, you got to see them. Each one of them deserves a novel, you know, about them, but this, you know, they would, the, the storytelling is this um, participatory sort of communal telling and each one would say something, uh, you know, for, from their own perspective. And they would just build this. And I I was a kid, I'd sit there and I'd listen and I I was so enthralled by this world they were creating.
0: So tell us please the basics of that story and and, and what just tell us a bit about Girl From the Garden.
1: hmm Uh the basic story is this and this is this is all true. You know, it's hmm. it's kinda it's hard to, to believe, but it is all true. There's these two Jewish brothers, they live in Kermanshah, Iran, it's a province in Iran. And the story takes place around nineteen seventeen and the um they're both they're wealthy jews um, and they're living in in this Nahaleh, this um you know the the Jews were sort of uh, they had their um section of the town that they were allowed to live in, and the eldest brother he he can't have a child his young wife can't bear him a, a son and and he needs a son because his wealth has to go somewhere once he he dies you know so he's he's really worried and um and so he, he decides to take a second wife, and, um, and she can't conceive either. So we figure out that the fault of fertility is his, but no one ever speaks of that. And so the younger brother, he, um, he, he feels so bad about his brother's plight that he uh, takes his newborn infant son, and he gifts that baby to his brother, and that baby's mother ends up dying from sorrow over losing her baby. And that's the story, (laughs) you know, the end.
0: Now, I think it's important to note, while all of what we're describing is true about this novel, it's an absolutely beautiful read, and it was not at all Depressing or discouraging, and I, 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 just feel like sometimes when you hear um, descriptions of books, y- you worry, oh, I could never, I could never bear that. It mm-hmm. was, it was beautiful. It made you feel as though you were there, and y- I learned, I learned so much about this world. Why did you choose to frame the novel from the perspective of Machbubeh, if that's, if I've pronun- pronounced it correctly? And the way you know, sort of, she's now in Los Angeles, in her um, suburban home, thinking back
1: on all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, so the the narrator Maplebit, and you pronounce it beautifully. She's she's an unreliable narrator. You know, she yeah. she's beginning in the the early stages of dementia. My grandmother, who Maplebit is, is fashioned after is now well into dementia. Um, And there's something real interesting that happens that I've I've been observing as she's sort of journeying through this, is that the the stories change. She'll like revisit them out loud and they change. And before she sort of um, got real lost in in her mind, when she was on the surface of it, I would ask her to retell the stories and details would change. Mm. And at the same time, I was, you know, research. I have been researching. I mean, for for many years, and throughout the, the writing of the book, and the research is it's funny. You know, you read these historical narratives, and they they take the same experience and they tell it in in, a, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Details are different. The perspective is different, and and it kind of leads you to realize that there's a sort of dementia to history too. Mm and um and then you know not just history but the way we tell current events you know the way the media even portrays what's happening in real time it's it's funny what people choose to show and choose to remember
0: yeah it it sort of reflects that distinct point of view of the person telling that story
1: and so truth becomes something real um ephemeral it becomes like something made of sand you know you can't yeah there's no distinct form to it. There's you. You don't even know how to identify it or what shape it takes.
0: Now, have you have you been back to Iran?
1: I did. I, I went back um, and lived there for quite some time. Uh, you know, I actually, uh, I went back this summer before September 11th. Uh, you know, and. Um, Lived there for uh, about a year and then had to come back for uh, health reasons. I had to have open heart surgery and, and then I went back again and and um, I was there knowing that I wanted to write a book. but didn't it hadn't quite taken shape yet. So I was just kind of um, living in this country we had fled and it was a, a profoundly wonderful, eye opening experience.
0: And how. How do you like living in LA now? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm guessing you're ambivalent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm not ambivalent. I have very strong feelings about Los Angeles. Los Angeles is is a, is a very strange place, you know. Los Angeles, you know, speaking of dementia, it's it's a city that lacks all memory, or it tries to wipe out its own memory. It tries to hide uh, history because history also means um, aging, it means things growing old, you know, and, and L.A. doesn't like that. <laughs> yeah. L.A. always wants to be new and shiny, and it's a, it's, a, it's a strange, beautiful, tragic place. I mean, of course I'm living here by choice because I want to be close to my family, and there's something about L.A. that I, I love despite my better judgment. <laughs> it's, it's a weird Babylon.
0: yeah. So, tell us a little bit about the act of being published. We've talked a little bit about writing and the book, but you're now undergoing something that is sort of rare and fabulous in, in its own distinct ways, right? So,
1: Oh my gosh, yes. So, yeah, so so
0: I I really I want to hear your perspective and sort of what has been you know, encouraging about it, what has been discouraging, what's made you laugh, what's made you cry. I, I'm just always very curious about those that, that have experienced it, how how they find it.
1: It's utterly terrifying, beautiful, mind-boggling. You know, you, you sit down to write, you know, before, obviously, before you're a published writer, when you're just a writer, before you're an author. You know, you sit down to write every day. And if there's something there's a voice in you that says this is futile you know what's the point who's ever going to read this it's this demon you know it just sort of gnaws away at your it gnaws away at your courage and your creativity you know and you try to push that voice to the back because just the act of writing is so fantastic you know it's so you you need to do it and you try to you try to silence that voice but there's a part of you that wants audience course i mean you wouldn't write if you didn't want audience you you're a storyteller and you need an audience and and um and it's scary you know you think you know here i am putting my soul into this and what if it's something that never gets anywhere and then one day out of the blue you know an agent calls you and says i love this and the next day, you know, a publisher says, I love this. And then before you know it, you're, you realize, you open your eyes and you realize it's, it's, you're in the middle of this dream. You know, this thing you've always dreamed of. And it's wonderful. I, I have nothing to, have to say about it. It's wonderful. Good. <laughs> yeah. My, I, I'm living amidst my dream. I mean, I'm, I'm so, so blessed. <laughs> I have a public voice. There's something else to it, too. It's a little scary, because now I'm so conscious of what I say in this interview, even. I'm so worried about my words.
0: Yeah, now you know that they're going to be heard.
1: Hmm. Exactly, and that that's a great responsibility.
0: Now, how has your family reacted to the book?
1: Mm, they're sort of in a, in a state of disbelief, too. I mean, there was a... You know, initially when I started writing a book, everyone's like, oh, Pernod's just writing a book. That's so lovely. <laughs> and then and then after a while, they'd be like, oh, are you still writing the book? Where's it at? And then, you know, years pass and people sort of forget. They don't ask you anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, that was the best point of writing this book was where when everyone forgot that I was writing a book. And they had all sort of lost hope that anything would become of the book. And so it was just me and the book. It was a very intimate period of writing.
0: Now, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about your life as a reader. Sure. Uh, can you recall, what was the last book you had a conversation about, and and what did you say?
1: Oh, gosh, I I can't recall. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, reading and conversations a book is like breathing around yeah. here. So, so I don't know what the last is, but I'm also an English teacher. Although I haven't been in the classroom for a couple of years, but I taught a course called... Um, the media's portrayal of the Muslim world and the literature of the Middle East. And um, it was to a classroom of of 11th graders. And we were looking at how the media portrays Muslims and Islam in the Middle East. And then we were reading the actual literature in translation from that region. Wow, It, It was wonderful.
0: That sounds great. Yeah. And what what books were most influential on you?
1: I'm a diehard Faulkner fan. I, okay. I love Faulkner. That makes sense. I, I do He is amazing. Um, Borges, I adore Borges and um Paul Harding's Tinkers was just, you know, blew me away and Tennessee Williams, I love Tennessee Williams and Toni Morrison of course.
0: Now I'm going to have to ask you to narrow it down. So let's say you were should you be banished to a desert island yeah. and you could take 3 which would you oh, take? Oh,
1: God. <laughs> three only? <laughs> three books or three authors? I can hear the
0: pain. I can hear the pain in your voice. I know. Voice. And
1: how long am I on this island? <laughs> because I read very fast. I don't, say,
0: I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's even worse. Um, let's, let's say three authors. Go ahead. I'll give you three.
1: Three authors. Yeah. If if I could take a translator with me, oh, no. I would take, <laughs> well, then... I'd have to, <laughs> I would take Hafez with me, um, because uh, his poetry, it's, it's always been translated for me, I, I, I'm not so literate in Farsi, so I would take Hafez, I would take Borges, uh, and oh, gosh, I don't know, um, I would take Toni Morrison's work, yeah.
0: All right, well this has been such a a wonderful conversation and I wanna thank you so very much for Girl from the Garden. I enjoyed it immensely, congratulations.
1: Thank you, Ana Maria, it was a wonderful conversation on this one too, I really enjoyed speaking with you.
0: Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Kat Theck with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. Please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents and you can send us a question or comment via our Facebook page. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from the leading figures across books, culture, and the arts. All brought to you by Harper Audio Presents.